Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and... Happy New Year, unless you're listening to this in October 2025, in which case, Happy Old Year. Either way, my name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and welcome to My Time Capsule. Now, My Time Capsule is a very simple format that often leads to the most complicated conversations. The idea is that my guest picks five things from their life that they would like to have preserved in a time capsule, four things they cherish, and one thing they'd be glad to forget. So, let's start another year of this podcast with our first guest of 2024, the BAFTA-winning comedian Ian Sterling, who is best known as the brilliantly funny voice of the hit reality show Love Island, which is now in its eighth series. Oh, that island is just full of love. Following his success on Love Island, Ian appeared in Series 8 of Taskmaster and took on the role of host for ITV2's comedy entertainment show Celebability, now in its fifth series. His sitcom, Buffering, a comedy written, created and starring Ian, debuted on ITV2 in 2021. But that's not all. Ian's book, Not Ready to Adult Yet, was published through HarperCollins, along with a companion podcast of the same name, and he makes two podcasts with his wife, Laura Whitmore, about true crime, murder they wrote, and partners in crime. Ian's debut stand-up special, Failing Upwards, is available on Amazon Prime, and I'd highly recommend it. And in early 2024, he will be touring Britain with his new stand-up show, Relevant, which I'm sure will be equally as good, if not better. So you can see that Ian doesn't really need my help with his career. But he's very kindly taken the time to tell me the five things from his life he'd want in a time capsule, and what a delight it was. As you'll hear now, have fun. <laughs> Look at you in a f- full professional studio. You I've bastard. got a recording studio in my house. Can you imagine it? Let me close the door because then that defeats the purpose. If you can oh, yeah, well, I can understand children that. Children yeah. and dogs and what. <laughs> so, do they let you do Love Island from there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they had, they had no choice but to allow me to. Um, the dream. That's yeah, the dream, isn't it? I never leave my house ever again. <laughs> no, ever. The same as Dave Lamb, who does come dine with me. Exactly, me and Dave. You and Dave stuck in a room. But the, it's the guy from. I heard the guy from um, 
Big Brother, I know, had a recording studio sort of thing set up in a shed at the end of the garden. And yeah. that's when I was in early days of Love Island and they, I had to go out to Spain and stuff, which is obviously mm. fantastic, especially when you're in your 20s. I had an absolutely wonderful time. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. But I remember thinking, imagine being so respected in your field that they let you just do it from your house. Yes. Now, here I am. <laughs> the only time I've done those things is was during lockdown when they wouldn't let me go anywhere. So I, I set the whole thing up. Oh, yeah, I got very fortunate. They, it definitely wasn't I drove a hard bargain. I think it was... Um, I got all this stuff for lockdown and it turned out that it was actually logistically probably a lot easier than... Uh, and somewhat cheaper, I would yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, essentially I've saved them money. I'm trying to make it look like I'm a big ball player here, <laughs> but essentially I've saved them a few quid so they've let it continue. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I was sitting here thinking about stuff and it occurred to me, has anybody, if your nickname when you were at school was Four Eyes, have you worked out why? No. Because you have Four Eyes in your name. I've never thought, I've genuinely never thought of that before. <laughs> I used to say at university, I used to say it's Ian with two eyes mm-hmm. uh, because I was intolerable at university. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, A, I, N. And also that's a really handy thing for me because my name being Ian with two eyes and then Sterling, S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G, mm-hmm. a lot of people will go Sterling like the currency. So the eyes in my name cause real I don't think my name's spelt right on any document or form or anything I've ever been sent, really. Yeah, I can imagine. That's the same spelling as the city, though, isn't it? Exactly the same as the city, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that if I went far enough back, there, there would be a reason for that. Uh, you probably own it. I'd look it uh, up. Imagine that. Imagine owning <laughs> Stirling. What a lovely, a lovely university town it is. Lovely it is, yes. Very nice curry houses. Um, it does. Now, that's really good knowledge. It has fantastic curry houses, actually. Mm, yeah. Only better than Scotland by Glasgow. Right. Glasgow's the best, then Stirling. Yeah. There we are. I remember it fondly for its curry houses. Yeah, really good place. Yeah. So how have you been? Everything all right? You you know, you have such a cursed life. It's terrible. There oh, you, are, you know, it's like... Touring around, married to... Oh, what a terrible <laughs> thing to be doing in life. <laughs> Little child. It's all awful. I know. It's all it's all downhill, really. No, it's been... <laughs> uh, I'm, very ble- I'm very blessed. I'm having a lovely time, actually, at the minute. Mm. I sort of feel like um, I've sort of gotten to the groove of... What I want to do, I'm in a nice position in my 30s where I feel like I've stopped, not entirely, that's not entirely but to an extent, stop trying to people please. And I'm sort of, I've got the people around me that I care for and I want to make sure are fine. Yeah. And I'm getting much better at saying no to things. I'm getting much better at knowing what's good for me and, and what my pace is mm. and knowing what's my drive in life. Yeah, um, I, I, it's not all work. I've got a lot of like personal and social stuff that I want to make happen. I'm happy to sacrifice work for those things. Mm. There's people that I work alongside that don't, and their careers yeah, yeah. flourish as a result. But I, I'm sort of I'm comfortable with the choices that I'm making. Well, you say flourish. I mean, I sometimes wonder. I've seen people in exactly that situation sacrifice all those other things for career, and in the end, they go, "What did I do that for?" Yeah. Ultimately, if you've not got the sort of basis in it. I think that's the one thing you find, like, um, I'm not one of those people, I've not had that sort of um, stratospheric Hollywood rise to fame, but Mm. all those people, the resounding response tends to be getting that successful, famous or whatever, taught me that that isn't the answer. (laughs) Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. The best thing about getting incredibly rich, famous or successful is it teaches you that to be happy, you don't need to be rich, famous or successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only other advantage I can ever think of is that you can walk into, if you are one of those people, you can walk into any children's hospital ward and they all get excited. Yes. I mean, the the thought of being able to cheer up children in a hospital ward obviously is... It's pretty good, isn't it? A fantastic, I mean, I've never not been here. So it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> that, the, there's that and you'd probably get served quicker in a restaurant. That's the <laughs> other side. That's the less noble side of it. Yeah. I have a friend who tried to book a place at the Ivy and they said, sorry, we're completely full. And uh, I'll probably get sued for this. But uh, <laughs> he then rang them back and said, uh, hello, I'm uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's agent. I wonder if you could book a table for her for this evening. And they said, yes, certainly, sir. How many people? Amazing. Uh, so he said eight. And then when he turned up, he said, I'm sorry, Gwyneth can't make it tonight. And, they, and they've got to let you in, right? Because they You're can't... in there. You're there. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> Something worth remembering. I did that once at the IV. It was fully booked. And then I phoned back up and went, I'm Ian Sterling's agent. Can I have a table? And they said, no, we're fully booked. (laughs) (laughs) They said, no, he can eat at home as he does with his work. Eat at home in your recording studio. Although I will tell you this, soundproofing does mean that smells linger. I do now know why a lot of um, recording (laughs) studios in London don't allow food in the studio. Uh, Yes. (laughs) I had a chicken burger in here about four days ago and it's still kicking around. I think I feel like half expecting to find it behind one of the radiators. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk, Ian about four things that you love and one thing that you'd like to forget from your life. Mm-hmm. Although when you say you have no ambition, you obviously still have some ambition because you're getting ready to do another tour. So that thing of sitting down and going, well, I've done a big show, it's been on Prime, yeah. and now I've got to do it again. The pressure of it is quite enormous, I think. Yeah, I think we'll 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 touch on this in some of my selections, but okay. the magnitude of that is not really sunk in yet. I just love the one thing I not the one thing, but the thing I love the most in my professional life is my stand-up. It's like, mm. there's a, it's a sort of double-headed thing, really, in the sense that it's the thing I've always been the most passionate about. I grew up being obsessed. I collected stand-up DVDs, and I just watched them. And now whenever I play a venue that's like, in those DVDs, I'm doing the Hackney Empire on my tour next <laughs> yeah, year, I and saw. the Mighty Bush's first stand-up special was recorded <laughs> there. The thought that I'm doing that room that they were in is just, like, mind-blowing uh, to me. Fantastic, yeah. Um, and then the second side of it is growing up sort of on a council estate in Scotland, everyone was taught to have a trade. That was your thing. Mm-hmm. So oddly now, my trade is stand-up comedy, I think. The landscape can change in so many ways in terms of like television. You might be flavour of the month one month and not the other. And you do a pot, who knows, podcasts are massive at the minute, but what are they going to be in five to 10 years' time? We don't know. No. But with stand up, if you go to a comedy club and you're funny, they'll ask you back. Mm. And so that's, especially now I've got a child and a mortgage and stuff. I'm like, this is the one thing that I can still see me doing in 20 years yeah. and still making money so yes, like quite yeah you can even do that sort of thing when i can just turn up at a club i know i'm going to get 150 quid fantastic exactly exactly mm. and it, and also i'm happy doing that yeah and as long as i'm doing stand-up i always when i i grew up somewhere there was no like we had no drama department at our school or anything like that and i just didn't think that it was the sort of thing that we did mm. do you know what i mean so as long as i'm doing stand-up at any level obviously where I'm at now and I get the honour of playing like big opera houses and theatres and all this, it's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. But as long as I'm in front of an audience and getting paid for it, then I'll sort of remain forever grateful. 
Mm. I mean, ask me that again in 15 years when okay. I'm driving <laughs> to... Schlepping around the countryside. Driving to Yarm on a Saturday, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a fantastic moment in uh, Failing Upwards on the Prime, if nobody's seen it. There's a fantastic moment where that man goes to the toilet. It's oh, a, yeah. It's glorious. It's really glorious. Yeah, there's... Um, uh, uh, for those that don't know, I, I recorded a special. It's on Amazon Prime. And this man left, but he was really <laughs> lovely. And what I like is there's a lot of that audience interaction now on the internet, yeah. but it's all quite combative and cruel. And I've always enjoyed, you're always lightly ribbing someone because that's funny. Mm. But this guy goes to the toilet and basically when he comes back, he sort of, we celebrate him like he's the, the headline <laughs> act coming back. It's just a really <laughs> lovely, warm moment. And I remember it was really nice for me at the time because... When something really funny like that happens spontaneously while you're recording it, I mean, now everyone records every gig. It's sort of wild in case something happens so they can put it online. But mm. I'd never, that's the first thing I'd filmed of my stand up years. I was sort of having this weird out of body experience. I was like, I can't believe this is happening and we've got all the cameras on it. I'm so delighted. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rather than panicking, which is what some people might do, thinking, oh, this wasn't supposed to happen. But that's the joy of stand-up, isn't it? There was definitely a bit of panic when he went to the toilet and it became apparent that he'd been gone long enough that it wasn't a, it wasn't a quick number one and it was going to be a slightly <laughs> lengthy number two and I was going to have to fill the time. Yes. Uh, I don't know if all of that made it into the special, actually. I think that, that bit's probably about... Actually, there's probably about five to ten minutes of me waiting on him to return. I should imagine. But I think we, the essence of the piece is still captured. Yeah, yeah. You get the sense also that it's been a long time. You feel it. Yeah. 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 I've, I've been dame in a number of pantomimes over the years uh, for my sins, and those are the moments that you always remember, those moments where those things happen. It's brilliant. I had somebody go to the toilet once, uh, and then while they were gone, I got somebody to sit in their seat. That's fun. It was fun, yeah. So when they came back... They sneak along the not wanting to disturb thing. You carry on as if nothing's wrong and they get to their seat and it's full. Do you know what's um, also a really fun one to do that I saw uh, an act do years ago and I've not done it in age, but you've just reminded me is mm. when the person goes to the toilet, you say to the rest of the audience, I'm going to ask a pretty disgusting question and if you can all put your hand up and we'll see if they do it. <laughs> so when they come back, you go, I don't know, like something really gross like... Um, does everyone here enjoy the smell of their own farts? And then all the audience, when he puts his hand up, you go, are you dirty? They were all in on it. You sort of trick him. And you can go as extreme as you want with that, really, and see what he does. Yeah. I, I, there was a, there's also a moment when he came back. Now, this is not a criticism. This is just how difficult it is to do these things. And in the moment, as he came back, you shook hands with him. And in my mind, I thought, I wonder if he's washed it. Oh, I did. That, it is true. I, I give him a proper shake as well, don't I? Yeah. I should have said, I hope you've washed your hands, Jim Midden. That's what I should have said. That goes oh, into the memory bank. That's what these that I'm be sure Next that. time. Next yeah. time. If you Let it be known, if anyone listens to this podcast, buys a ticket to my show as a result, mm -hmm. and you go to the toilet, I have got an absolute doozy up my sleeve that I'm going to uh, unleash <laughs> upon you. Fantastic. I'm very proud that I've led you down that route. How lovely. Yes, thank you, Michael. You're welcome. Okay, right. So let's find out the things that you want to put into a time capsule from your life. What's number one? The first time my daughter laughed, <laughs> if that's possible. Yeah. It's sort of, um, I got a bit weirdly emotional there when I said that, but um, I think it's just a perfect, for me, 
it's a perfect amalgamation of like all the things I love in the world mm. into one. Because obviously my daughter is the center of my universe now. Mm-hmm. And I love stand up and I love my family. And when I when I made when I made her laugh, <laughs> that was there's a really lovely Adam Bloom joke where he goes, um, I remember the first time I made my daughter laugh, and it was extra nice because it was new material. <laughs> write that one down yeah (laughs) Uh, really lovely and um lovely so there's that i mean i'm a comedian i'm always trying to make people laugh almost to a fault sometimes i've got a sort of like it's almost it's almost crippling sometimes in social situations i feel like i owe people in a room a duty of being the entertainment even if the room doesn't call for it or require it or want it. I still feel like I need to entertain. My mm-hmm. wife's so amazing at that sort of thing. She's always like, you just, you don't owe anyone anything. You can just be, just be present, just be in the space. But I always yeah. feel like I've got to put my clown shoes on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that from childhood, right? Early on. Yeah. Well, I was very quiet child. My mom always reminds me of a very sort of typical Scottish 90s school <laughs> system. Like my mum was told that I would never be able to walk into a room with a glass of red wine and like start a conversation with somebody. Yeah. Um, which just shows you as well that you know your kids better than anyone else does. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's why you do it. Yeah. So I think I was, I was quite quiet at school and didn't really massively fit in and all that sort of stuff. And then I went to university and that's when I met people of my own ilk. And I think that's where the sort of like jokester thing happened i think the problem was at my school it was like you either messed around and got in loads of trouble mm. or you were very well behaved and studious there was no sort of like when i met people at university who like drank alcohol but also worked hard and, yeah do you know what I mean had a laugh but respected their teachers like do you know what I mean it was that mixture of i was like, all oh, right there's this there's this third option that i didn't know existed mm. so i think i i really latched on to that and i think because that made me feel part of a tribe that's why I've now held on to that so much now. Yeah. Even when I'm in a room of people who are like, mate, we don't need you to, we're having an absolutely fine time. <laughs> it's a lovely conversation, very serious, and yeah. uh, we don't need a gag. We don't need a pun. No, 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 this one, this one, hang on, wait. Yeah. Yes. We're all in our mid-30s, it's 9pm <laughs> and we're discussing austerity measures. We don't need you, <laughs> we don't need you butting in. But yeah, so that's always been important to me. And I also feel like the first time your child laughs is like a weird... Not weird, a fantastic crossover point where they sort of, they become like this, a human and it's the first time you can actually interact with them. Mm. So that moment was like really special to me. Yeah, there are those moments, aren't there, with a child where people say, oh, look, it's looking at you. And you sort of go, well, I know from the books that it's not. Yeah. It just happens to be looking in this direction. It's smiling. No, no. it's farting. We can yeah. all tell. <laughs> yeah, we can exactly. all tell. <laughs> it's doing a smelly poo that I'm going to have to change in five minutes. And then That's... it does. And you have all yeah. the joys of all those stages, in a way, ahead of you. That thing where suddenly they do get a joke. You know, I love the stage where they don't, where they have the method, but not the reasoning. So, in other words, they say, knock, knock, who's there? Dog. Dog who? I bite. Yeah. Okay. My, my child is doing knock knocks now, but she does them like a sort of monologue. So mm-hmm. she'll go knock knock. Who's there? Dog. That'll be it. That's basically. it. Yeah. 
I, I just, you know, if you wanted to know who was there, I've just told you. The dog. That's good enough, isn't it? Let's move on. Ha, ha, ha. Funny, funny. <laughs> Same as what you did. I know. Yeah. Her um, special's not coming to Amazon Prime for quite some time, unfortunately. <laughs> well, there's a certain wonderful humour in it, I think. In the fact that yeah, oh, it's amazing. The non-joke. It's lovely. So um, I completely understand that. Anybody who's had a child will remember that moment that they first laugh at you. And uh, and then we'll also remember when they become a teenager and you do something really funny and they just go... Oh. Um, I am dreading the when my <laughs> child's too cool for me. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, again, as we've sort of semi-discussed, being... Being the greatest person that someone's ever met is such mm-hmm. an f- incredible feeling. So I'm sort of <laughs> dreading becoming like the uncool dad. And also, I've got all the ingredients for uncool dad. Mm-hmm. Like, I love a pun. I've got sort of annoyingly <laughs> loud voice. I'm quite loud in group settings. I'm like cringe dad 101. So it's going to yeah. be an absolute car crash for her, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you... um? Once you've got a joke, can you not not do it, as it were? So I have an example. It would be that if my wife says, put the kettle on, I always say, it won't fit. (laughs) And and she just looks at me. (laughs) Do you You, have to do it every time? Well, I'm now putting that, I'm now doing that every time. Um, (laughs) The one I, it's Russell Kane, it's a throwaway line that Russell Kane done, but um, whenever I see someone with um, big hair, I always say, their hair's got more volume than a pensioner's telly. That's what I always say. <laughs> my wife, and now my wife finished. I've got that's there's more volume than that, and then she'll just finish it off for me. Mm. Partly because it's a little cute thing that we're doing. Partly because she's like, if she finishes it off, she doesn't have to hear me say it again. <laughs> yes, quite. I know. And yesterday, my 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 wife's. We were talking about that Washington D.C. is not in Washington. Right. And then she went, Washington's, what is it, the Washington State? And I went, no, it's not. It's quite nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I know. Well, I think the problem is you are cursed with those sort of brains. And I am. I agree with you on that, that there are times in life when you really shouldn't say it. But I do. I once said to the director of the RSC when he showed me the model of the set we were going to do before we had a big gathering. On the very first day I worked there, he showed me this set and it was a beautiful, amazing thing, but it was all sort of um, sepia and not cut. And I said, well, be good when they painted. And uh, he looked at me as if I was completely mad. And then, an hour later, when he was showing the entire cast the set, he said, oh, this is our set. <laughs> it would be good when they paint it. No, I'm not having that. Uh, I that, know. That's sacri- That's theft. <laughs> that's theft. Yeah. <laughs> my my favourite, I again, this is where my wife's absolutely fantastic because she knows I enjoy it, but my favourite thing in the world is when I'm sort of joking and people don't get it. My mother-in-law quite often doesn't know when I'm joking, which obviously fills <laughs> my heart with joy. When I yes. sort of say something quite tongue-in-cheek and she looks at me like, is he actually doing that? I'm like, no, it's a, it's a joke. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, well, what a joyous thing to have in a time capsule. That wonderful moment when a child first laughs at you. Yeah. How lovely. Okay, that's number one, Ian. So let's move on to number two. Well, I think we're going to take the... To- not. It's going to go down a notch in terms of uh, adorability, but I'm just going to go with my <laughs> PlayStation 4. Ah. Not the new PlayStation 5, the old model PlayStation, the PlayStation 4. 
Mm-hmm. I can't. I'm, I imagine a few people have got games consoles of some form in their time capsule. Well, uh, not that many, actually. Oh, really? No. no. Maybe it's because I talk to too many old people. That's well, <laughs> uh, maybe. But then you could get you could get Pong or whatever put in there, surely. Surely, I've I've got a PlayStation Four. Do you? Yeah, they're, I do. The the best console ever built in my. Um, I mean, I was going to say, relatively well-informed opinion. Mm. Um, I've loved computer games my whole life. I always have. It's always been my, like, um, almost like my meditation. Yeah. Like, genuinely. I've got um, I've got a real inability. You, I mean, you're getting a real vibe of me, but I've got a real inability to sort of be still. I can't mm. sit down. I've always got my leg going or... So the only time I can sit genuinely fully still in a seat for a certain amount of time is playing video games. Because mm. even films nowadays, you end up with your phone out or whatever. Yeah. So like the video game's perfect for me because your hands are occupied with the controller and your brain's occupied with trying to complete the level. So I've just always loved video games. I, I, the storytelling in them are amazing. Like the vo- some, some of them, the voice acting and whatnot is exceptional. Mm. Have you ever done one? Have you ever done? No, it's like that's absolutely on my to-do list. Is a bit yeah. of voice acting in a video game. I'd love that. <laughs> it's brilliant fun. If there's anyone listening, I'm very available. There we are. I shall tell people. I can do any accent as long as that accent is Scottish. I can do it. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, talking about Scottish accents, I appreciate the fact that I know that whenever somebody from Scotland talks to somebody from England, they tone down their accent. So, thank you. Yeah, well, I've been—I've just been doing um, Love Island in America now. There's a Love uh, Island USA, so I just done a press tour of the US hmm. and uh, doing all the states in America with this accent. There was some there was some absolute car crashes. I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> but what I don't understand is, I know you've you've got such a beautiful accent; it's so sort of crisp and clear. I can't imagine an issue, but with hmm. Americans, what was I saying? Water. <laughs> what do they say? I was saying, what? I have a glass of water. And they were like, what? <laughs> what? And they were like, oh, water. Water. That was, I went, water. Like, water? Yeah. I was like, That's the same word. Yeah. And I was asking for a glass of it. Like, it can't, it's not that far away. How have you managed to misunderstand? What did you think I wanted a glass of yes. that began with W? That had a strange T in the middle that you'd never noticed. Yeah, so um, yeah. I, I've lived in London 15 years as well, so I do find the accent. I mean, I, when I first moved to London, I lived in Richmond. Right. Which is a 22-year-old yes. lad from working-class background in Scotland. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I used to say in my stand-up, I'm, I mugged four people, but by mistake. I was just being polite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I like your bike. And they're like, please, just take the bike. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'd give you all my money, but it's tied up in land. (laughs) People just walking up, giving you the price of a cup of tea. People were just trying to get the big issue off me and stuff. It was a nightmare. (laughs) Oh, dear. So um, you can also now then, now you've put the PlayStation 4 in there, you can explain to me, an old man, what the hell Twitch is. Oh, yes. Mm. Twitch is a wonderful, wonderful place. For those that don't know, it's a live streaming service where you... You can do anything on there. My, uh, a fantastic comedian and good friend of mine, Alfie Brown, yeah. son of Jan Ravens. I know, he's been on this podcast. Alfie. Oh, has he? Yeah. Well, he described it the best as long-form social media. So basically, you live stream for hours on end, 
And normally you play a video game. So there's sort of like the video game's the main part of the screen and then you're a little box. Sort mm. of if you're doing a video call and your own face is a small box in the corner. And chat are the people that are watching. They watch along and they can talk to you. And it's a mixture of a social media where people enjoy that game can watch. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's a creation of a community within the people that follow you and all that. So it's a very niche thing to be into. So there's a sort of a community about it. Right. And it's just sort of having, because it's live, it feels like you've got someone in your house. Mm. I think the thing that confuses people about it is they imagine that I'm sitting playing FIFA for three hours. Mm. So they imagine you have to sit there and watch me play a video game. <laughs> it's more it's just there because the video game thing works quite well because a lot of people have it on while they also play video games. Right. And then they do that sort of relaxed chat that you can have when you're doing something like that, but you're still having a chat. Yeah, it's that sort of yeah. like taxi driver chat with through the rear view mirror sort of idea. Mm-hmm. There's that thing about, there's a good way to talk to your um, children about difficult subjects, sort of like sex education and things like that, apparently the backseat of the car because you've not got the awkward eye contact. It's quite a good yes. way to get chatting to your children, apparently. Oh, you can't see them with their hands over their mouth trying not to giggle yes. because they already know it. Yes, yeah. mum just said the word penis sort of thing. <laughs> but yes, so yeah. it, it, and it is one of the reasons I picked my PlayStation because in the two years of lockdown, I essentially did Twitch full time. <laughs> A lot of people obviously didn't enjoy lockdown and obviously it, it was so horrible for so many. And mm. like so many people, I lost my work for two years and played online poker with about 20 other comedians every Tuesday who had done the exact same. <laughs> but I had this little... Um, Obviously, my family and friends and all the rest of it. But work-wise, I had this little safe haven of Monday to Friday, 9 till 12 every morning. I, mm-hmm. On the morning, delivered to get myself out of bed. I got up, had a shower, and played PlayStation and had the, this little community around me. And then you can say it's work. I paid my mortgage and Amazing. I had a structure in my day. Mm. And it, I, I look back on that really fond, like really fondly that that time on twitch and do you have people on it that you get to know in fact there's guys there's the the mods so the, the, there's people in there that mod your channel mm-hmm. which essentially is a volunteer based thing sometimes people get paid when the channels are bigger um and they can if you make them a mod someone that's been around for years in your chat so you trust them you might not know mm. them but you trust them and that mm. means they can delete comments and block people that have said nasty things and that because obviously because it is live it's not like if someone yeah. writes a nasty comment you're literally there to receive it but my mods i'll, I'll shout them out now that i'm sure they'll listen yeah cam Mikel, who's now changed his name on all um social media to Mikel the mod which i love <laughs> brilliant dave there's a load of them and um, they now come see me one show a year. I get them a few free tickets in a hotel. They can get themselves there. I'm not made in money. But we'll um, <laughs> we'll hang out. And then the weird thing is people are like, oh, that sounds odd. Like, I just met, I, I'm basically friends with a man who used to watch me play the video game Fortnite. But it's been five, six years now we've been yeah. doing that. And we've met and we've got a love of video games. And, and it's all sort of video games above. Like we love video games like love <laughs> love like could be a problem if left unchecked yes. love video games <laughs> never put a lock on that studio door never, never. put a lock i might get one put on the other side possibly <laughs> um so yeah th- those lads those lads I, I would i would genuinely class them as friends now yeah and they literally were just watching me play video games yeah i've rather delightfully 
had exactly the same thing happen with this podcast, where certain people who concentrate on it and you know retweet and mention about it and ask you questions. In fact, I've been in touch with them, and I've done one episode where we actually got people to come on and tell us things that they would put into a time capsule, and they were just listeners. I love that. It was great. It, it's nice to be able to control social media in some way. Yeah. Because it can get you know, toxic, as people say. But I tend to find that, actually, if you're nice to people, they tend to be nice back. I also find because Twitch is my actual face in real time, mm. more often than not, if someone says something nasty and I'll say down the camera, what did you do that for, man? I'm just a guy playing video games. Yeah, They'll normally go, oh, yeah, sorry about that, mate. Whereas in the yeah. Twitter world where you can't see the person's reaction, because that's how you learn, isn't it? Mm. That's literally how children learn to not be horrible, is they are horrible. They watch how it affects somebody, and they think, oh, it doesn't feel nice making someone feel that way. So yeah, you stop yeah. doing it. Yeah, And that's the reason why social media has got so toxic, is a lot of young people have grown up being nasty on it and not seeing the effects of what being nasty actually does to someone else. Yeah. And only now we're starting to learn about that. That's why I feel, and I'm including myself in this, the, the older generation, when they hear young people talk about the mental health crisis and all that, I'm like, hmm. well, I mean, it was the same as in our day. It was just, don't say that to them. Look, they look upset. Now it's like a whole... It's just this whole universal thing of people have been horrible to each other and putting yeah. pressure on each other by either, I mean, looking great on social media through a falsified manner, like, oh, no, how great my life is, airbrushing mm. out all the bad bits, or yeah. being horrible to one another. And now everybody's sort of learning to cope with that retrospectively, really. Whereas mm. we had the old school, I punched him in the arm, he cried, I didn't like that, I'll not punch anyone in the arm again. Yeah, yeah, very simple. Well, I completely agree with you that you don't see the consequences of what you do, which is why people are able to do it. They just throw these things out and then in a way sort of forget they've said them. But that sounds fun, Twitch. Somebody's tried to explain it to me before. Bilal Zafar, the stand-up comedian. Bilal, have you yeah. never seen Bilal? In lockdown, he played an old, I'm sure he, I don't know if he told us, but he played an, an old, a sort of like early noughties version of a video game and yeah. just... It's incredible storytelling. He used a video game which had no storyline to it, built-in storyline and no the graphics, mm. and literally made it into a fantastic, like, funny sitcom, essentially. He built <laughs> a video game into a sitcom that had none of the parts that allowed for the sitcom to take place. It was, it was an unbelievable achievement what he did. It's amazing how inventive people can be in these situations that seem sort of not at all fruitful. But then suddenly these amazing ideas come out, don't they? Yeah. I mean, like, Bilal Zafar wasn't sitting in his house at 11 o'clock at night using a nine years out of date video game to do a <laughs> comedy sketch about footballers going to the karaoke pre-pandemic, yeah. was he? Let's, let's no. be completely honest about that. No. So it's amazing. <laughs> what, you, what, you, what you can do. And I wasn't getting myself out of bed pre-children at eight o'clock mm -hmm. every morning when I was literally categorically unemployed like everyone else in my industry mm. to play puzzle games on my PC in front of hundreds of people. But it's the way, it's the way it worked out in the end. So there you yeah. go. How lovely. But when you see Alfie, tell him I've still got that photograph of him as a child being thrown in the air by his dad, Steve Brown. Yeah. And he's naked with a little boy's willy. Oh. And I still have that picture. I'll let him know. I, it's funny, I did I did get the vibe. You, might, you did have the vibe of uh, knowing Alfie's parents. I right, get, yeah. I'm that generation, yeah. So, yeah, I'll let, I'll let him know his little willy's still up on your wall. 
<laughs> it's, it's not on display. But all I'm saying is it could be. Right, That's okay, at any moment. At any moment. <laughs> That's what I'm putting next in the time capsule. A picture of Alfie Brown's willy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Let's put, uh, let's put the PlayStation 4 in, though. That's number two. Yeah. Ian, what's number three? Okay, ad break time. I do this as a sort of a courtesy to lead us out of the conversation and into the adverts. Unless there are no ads, in which case there'll just be a short pause before I say welcome back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome back to part two of my time capsule with Ian Sterling. I hope there were ads and not just an embarrassing pause as that's how we make money for this podcast. Either way, let's find out what else Ian Sterling wants to put in his time capsule, shall we? Well, I'm going to go with a microphone. My -hmm. Electrovoice RE20, to be specific, which is the microphone that I... It's in here somewhere, in one of the drawers somewhere, but it's the microphone that I've used to record every series of Love Island. Wow. And um, It's worth some money. Yeah, it's made mm. me some money, it's given me some memories, it's given me my career, it's given me everything really. So I sort of mm. feel like I've got to pay it back a little bit. It sort of like put me in an industry where I met my wife that then had my child. Like, yeah, I, I, I weirdly owe that microphone a lot more than I think uh, I think I'll ever know really. Yeah. And, um, and I'm also I'm obsessed with like sound and stuff and People get so fancy with microphones and this, I never see Electrovoice RE20s and they're beautiful, like mm-hmm. art deco looking like tank of a thing, mm. which I think is why no one uses it, but it's the best one out. Right. Did you meet your wife then because you had to go and record it in situ? Uh, we actually met before all that. We actually met way back. We were both panellists on an ITV2 game show called Fake Reaction. Mm-hmm. This was like years before we even got together. It was a funny game show. It was by Matt Edmondson of Radio One fame. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we met there and then we, uh, we 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 spoke properly for the first time at the Children's Baftas and then it sort of, um, it went from there because she was on Strictly at the time with uh, Aurea Duba mm. and I had done kids TV with Aurea and we sort of uh, hit yeah. it off. Lovely. 
And you had the nerve to go up and talk to her then? I think she might have talked to me, you know. Oh. But then I think, I, I then think what happened is I got very drunk at the children's bathtubs. <laughs> that, oh, do you know what? It's funny, I don't know. I, I've not actually got that in my time capsule as a thing I'd want to forget, but it is a moment. And now that I think about it, it is probably genuinely one of the moments I want to forget most ever. Because <laughs> um, I was nominated for Best Presenter at the kids' bathtubs at the time. And I've been nominated four times and never won it. And it was, a, the nominees were so amazing. I genuinely, me and my mum got bladdered drunk. <laughs> but then I won it. And I, this is not me as a person. I'm going to make that very clear. But this, to give you an idea of how drunk I was, the first thing I said on a set to my BAFTA at the age of 24 was, I walked up to the mic and went, about time. <laughs> <laughs> you arse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I started complaining about how much the beers were, and I said that you could get, and then pointed out where you could buy bottles of wine for a tenner at the <laughs> BAFTAs. Oh dear! And so I believe it or not, Laura didn't speak to me for a few months after that, but right. um, I had a lovely time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I also working in the world of it, I've sort of become weirdly um, obsessed with uh, sound quality recordings. I'm always me messing with my top end and my bottom end, as mm -hmm. you can imagine, mm -hmm. and my mids and my my DSers <laughs> and all that stuff. I love it all. So I try to make it, I always want everything to sound as nice as possible. So people are enjoying the quality of sound on this podcast, mm. you're more than welcome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love it. My Electro Voice RE20. Mm. wonderful bit of equipment and i love the shape of it the look of it i love recording sound because of my job and i find it bizarrely funny mm. that i owe so much to such a innate object yes and it's always odd isn't it those things you never know where anything's going to go in our profession and so when somebody says to you an agent rings says they want you to do the voice for this thing it's where people go and they choose whether they're going to go out with people and you go yeah. Well, that'll never last. No, I mean, that's the only reason I'd done it was because I was voiceover and I thought, well, when it all falls apart, at least no one will know I'd done it. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest problem when it went massive, genuinely, <laughs> for my agent. When it went really popular in, like, Series 3, we had to then do this mad U-turn and start telling everyone that I did it. Yes, quite. Do you were like, oh, damn. No, this is brilliant. Who does this? Like, me. I've just not been telling you about it because I thought it was going to go wrong. <laughs> I thought it was going to be embarrassing. I thought it was going to be embarrassing. Yeah, I thought it was going to be embarrassing. And now I've got Radio 4 I work asking who does it. But I mentioned Dave earlier. The reason that both of you work so well on them is because they allow you to be funny. Yeah. You know? And they could have said, no, 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 this is a serious program, so be serious. And they don't. And that's the genius of it, I think. Well, I've got loads of respect for with ITV, what they did let me do, which is like a thing that Dave's been really so glib, which I really love. Mm -hmm. And like dismissive of the people, which obviously, <laughs> which I find really, which is the complete opposite of what you're meant to do. That That's why it's so funny to me. Yeah. And I think all I did was take it a step further. And I was glib and dismissive of the show itself. Mm -hmm. And for them to actually agree to us to do that. Yeah, it's amazing. It sort of feels second nature now, and a lot of voiceovers do it. And it's it's sort of a weirdly, it's a real point of pride now when I hear a TV show go, well, look how rubbish that set is. I'm like, I've done that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can imagine the first few series when I was going, well, this format point doesn't falls down immediately because they've forgotten this. And I, you can't say why the format's wrong. <laughs> Here he oh. comes. He's been working out again. Oh yeah, that sort of that sort of vibe. Yeah, it's it's fabulous. Yeah, no, it was really we're really fortunate to work on a thing like that. And there yeah. was like 
with Love Island as well, there was this like, I can't remember the year, but there's this one particular summer where it was pre-Brexit, pre, not that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting any political affiliations. I just mean, there was no like 50-50 divides in the country. Everyone sort of got along. Yeah. The weather was great. England mm-hmm. had done quite well in the Euros or the World Cup. I forget which one. I don't really follow international football. I do now because Scotland are good again, but for yes. a long time I didn't. <laughs> and like, it, it just felt like everyone was watching England in the football and they started playing like Love Island in the pubs and in, in the UK after the games and stuff. And it was like... It was like such an insane thing to feel like mm. I'm part of this like significant cultural thing. And you talk about pantomimes. I genuinely welled up. And I think it's a real sign of when something's become significant, a significant moment, a cultural artifact mm. was the first time the panto dame got a text and went, I've got a text. And I'm like, <laughs> they're doing Love Island gags at the panto. Because oh, panto's proper. Like if you're in a panto, that's it. You've made yeah. it. You are a touchstone <laughs> of society. I'm watching this panto, everyone's laughing, and I'm genuinely welling up, going, what in a panto? Because I've grew up <laughs> loving pantos. <laughs> I'm afraid my references go back to basically saying, this shows how long ago I did panto, where people would say, um, right, so hold this hammer and hit the nail. And he'd say, oh, no, I can't touch that. <laughs> That's my <laughs> reference area, I'm afraid. That, uh, they're great. I love all that as well, though. It's mm. great. I just love it. <laughs> Okay, well, for all the things that it's led to and for the uh, beautiful sound quality, let's put your microphone in as number three. Yes, thank you. Okay, I tried to deliver that. I came a bit closer to the mic. It was lovely technique. No, it was really good. Dave will be proud. Thank you. Thank you. I was listening to, uh, well, I watched White Christmas the other night to get myself in a Christmassy mood. And I noticed, if you ever watch it again, all the way through, they have this lovely sound, lovely Hollywood sound. And then the moment anybody starts singing, particularly Bing Crosby, the bass goes right up. Oh, really? Oh, That's interesting yeah. to me. It almost makes the speakers shake. Um, yeah, he's got <laughs> such a good voice for that as well. Mm. There we are. Okay, right, let's move on to the next one. Number four. Well, I don't know how um, vague I can be, really, or specific. I sort of feel like a little bit like, oh, he's a typical guy in his mid-30s, but I want to put football in. Right, yeah, just the whole Um, thing, yeah. Yeah, all of it. Mm. I love five-a-sides with my friends. I love the, there's a thing called Fantasy Premier League where you, like, make your own fantasy team, Mm -hmm. which is basically all my friends. We've got a WhatsApp group where we talk about Fantasy Premier League. (laughs) <laughs> and it's now become a group where we all talk. I don't think all 10 plus of us would have a WhatsApp call where we like chat and send photos of our kids and do all that unless football existed and that game existed. I love going to see Liverpool every weekend. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love the city of Liverpool. I love the people of Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I love going to the games. I love that you're allowed to sing and no one judges you. <laughs> And I've played like in things, I've been fortunate enough to play in things like Soccer Aid and like literally played alongside players like Darren Fletcher and Claude McAuley, who were like my heroes growing up. And I've now got them shouting at me to get on side. Like, mm. yeah, it's given me so much. Yeah. Strangely enough, I've just had a, I've just rejected a phone call while we were chatting from Angus Deaton. Uh, no way. <laughs> yeah. I'd so he's, got, he's got a five-a-side uh, game that he plays with a few comedy writers and guys all the time he's been playing it since we first 
well, when we've lived together in a flat in London, he's been playing the same group of people they've been playing this football match right now into his 60s, late 60s. It's extraordinary. Yeah, my friend Steve went once, I think. Mm. Steve Bouget, a young lad, comedian like me. The rule is once you've played once, you're part of the team. You're, you're allowed to go to the Christmas party, which is nice. Yeah. So I think I played once. The last football game I played uh, was at Everton. On the pitch. Perfect. Were you playing for them or were you just uh, a sort of charity thing? <laughs> That's why they were doing so badly. That That's season. why they got their 10-point deduction. <laughs> yeah, so they said, ringers no, like you and Michael. Could, could put a ringer in, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I was playing for a friend of mine who um, was well enough off to be able to hire Everton. Jeez. <laughs> Football grant, yeah. He hired Goodison Park. That's wild. But I just it? love I love I could talk about this all day. That's why I just love football. I just think um I just think it's a great connector. It's good for your health, good for your mental health. Well, not always good for your mental health if your team's playing particularly badly, but yeah. And I I love football shirts as well. I'm one of those people. I've got a few framed now. Mm-hmm. Try and get them signed, all that sort of that's some sort of dorky sort of like comic book collecting side of me coming in and just basically as an adult you just collect things that slowly become more expensive to collect essentially yeah uh, does that mean just liverpool shirts or no my, my my local team from where i grew up are called hibernian hibernian yeah and then I, I i've sort of weirdly kept a little hold of like it's the, the football shirts i think i always keep a hold of so like i did like a soccer for blue peter years ago i did a soccer school thing me and Ollie Murs, but before he'd even released any music, when he was still on X Factor. Mm. That's how long ago it was. Mm. I've got that shirt. It's like a nice little reminder of like my time at kids' TV and mm. my soccer age shirt, obviously, <laughs> when I played. And Yeah, if anything comes with a football shirt, I'll just sort of innately collect it. Because yeah. I do quite a lot of stuff on FIFA, the video game. EAFC, it's called now, I think. Um, they always send me they every. They do different promos within the game for like different players, and they always mm. send me the shirt. So I've got I've got hundreds of them now. It's like Brilliant. piling up. Yeah, my grandson likes to collect football shirts, almost of any club. Yeah, that's become a that's become a big thing now. Football shirts have become a bit of a fashion thing, and that's why a lot of clubs now go a pretty wacky with their third kit. Mm. It's almost become an unwritten rule that you can wear another team's third kit. That almost doesn't count if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Like, the, like, have you seen that Paris Saint-Germain? So they're the biggest team in France. Mm. Um, they've got shops. They've got one in New York. There's one in London. Yeah. And people just buy because Paris Saint-Germain is just like quite a trendy club. They've got a guy called Kylian Mbappe, who's sort of widely regarded as the best player. Yeah. And people just go in and wear Paris Saint-Germain shirts, even though they support Liverpool <laughs> or Man United or whatever. <laughs> it's true. My youngest grandson said, I want a Paris Saint-Germain shirt for Christmas. And I said, okay. I said, you know where they play, don't you? He said, Saint-Germain. Yes, that... <laughs> If he didn't mean if he didn't mean that, he's an absolute natural and you need to nourish that talent out and protect it at all yeah, costs. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Absolutely. Made me look completely foolish. Yep, yeah, that is in fact where they play. Yeah. That is great. Okay, moving on. I know. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, so nice. Yeah. Well, I I like a football shirt. I don't have many. I don't, I think because I grew up in a time when people you didn't buy the football no. shirt. You bought a scarf. Yeah. So uh, I have one shirt that I treasure. Uh, everybody listening will know that I'm a Manchester United supporter. And uh, I once went to a match at Crystal Palace where it was arranged, strange enough, with Mr. Deaton. And it was arranged that we were going to have dinner with them afterwards. No way. I, I, I was fantastically excited. I can't tell you how 
thrilling it was, the thought. I couldn't sit still until Eric Cantona jumped in the crowd and kicked someone. You were at that you were there for that I was a, game. I was about ten foot away from it, yeah. No way. Are you, can you see yourself in the back of like all the, like the no, famous shots when he no, flies I, into the crowd? Just, I'm just to the left of it. You know where they. That's phenomenal. Mm. What a claim to fame! And whose shirt is it? The the fan well, that got stretched out of the not to the hospital. No, no, <laughs> covered in blood. No. Yeah. It's still got the boot, it's still got the rips where his studs went. <laughs> Uh, no, sadly, I bought a Man United shirt thinking, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to get them all to sign it. Of course. And as they were rushed from the stadium to the bus to be swept away out of this thing, uh, the dinner was cancelled. I was standing there almost in tears. So I have Dennis Irwin's signature because as he went by, I said, could you just, anyway, just scribbled on it and that's it. Well, I still think you've got the best left back of the Premier League generation, I think. And mm-hmm. and I'm Scottish Liverpool fan, so I'm including Andy Robertson in that. So right. you've done you've done all right. You've done uh, all right. Yes, no, I do. That's the one I treasure. Have you had to have them framed? There's people that frame them now, they look amazing. Oh right, I've not done that. No, it's just in the Oh, you've got to get it framed. Have I got sure oh no, they're all upstairs. They've got they all got moved upstairs. I've got I'll send you some photos, Michael. <laughs> yeah. I got my Socrate one framed. Oh, I'm not surprised. And then what they've done is, because it's Socrate, they obviously take loads of photos, and the inlay of the frame, they've put all the pictures of me on the match playing the game in the shirt. Oh, wow. So you could get, like, the that team, or Eric Cantona, <laughs> just frame just... by frame, kicking that boy in the head. <laughs> all, all the way around. Yep. <laughs> Celebrating it, an act of vicious behaviour. Yeah. yeah. We do not condone that in any way, obviously, no. here on the pod. No. But... Uh... Angus, I'm going, you know, we keep going back to him because he tried to ring me up, but uh, he has a photograph that he treasures from that soccer aid when he played in it. And it's in the dressing room and it's of three shirts and his is in the middle, an England shirt with Deaton on it. And next to it, either side is Shearer and Sheringham. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's unbelievable. Isn't it? It, it? Literally, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I got brought on for Roberto Carlos. Do you understand? <laughs> Imagine, imagine, imagine the look on the rest of the team's face when I come trotting on. The only other left, the only there was two left-footed players there that day: Roberto Carlos and me. <laughs> That's amazing. It was a disaster. I once played in a in a football match like that and uh, nutmegged Martin Buchan, so who had just finished being captain of Scotland and also yeah. Manchester United. So he was a pretty impressive player, and I nutmegged one him. of the one is one of Scotland's successful less by Scotland standard eras. Yeah, yeah, they were a great team. And I thought I'd, it was a very jolly occasion, so I sort of laughed, went, hey, and he smiled at me. And the next time I tried to go past him, he dead-legged me really hard. I couldn't play anymore. I couldn't play for months, actually. He almost broke my leg. And as oh. he leaned down to pick me up, he said, don't ever fucking do that again. That's That sounds like my voice. Mm. That sounds, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them that day. Yep. I'm proud of what he did that day. Good Scott. That's polite in Scotland, what he did. <laughs> Very nice. Well, I'm glad he was polite. Okay, let's put a whole of football in for you. I, I, it's a bit greedy and I do apologise. I was going to go with football mm-hmm. shirts or Liverpool or the fantasy Premier League game. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to be cheeky and go for the whole thing. Yeah, because then you don't get the World Cup and all those sort of things. Exactly, know? exactly. Yeah. All right, lovely. So unfortunately, all we've got is one more thing, which is the thing you'd like to forget. So initially I wanted to put in sort of the concept of time because I'm 
the passing of time is a very scary thing, but I am a late person. I hate to admit it. I don't want to be that, but I am... I know. I can see on your face, Michael, that you are not a late person. <laughs> no, I enter a room and I always am five minutes behind schedule, hot and rushed at all times, <laughs> and sort of discombobulated. And I put make everyone else feel uncomfortable because I'm clearly not quite up to speed with everyone else in that room. Mm. And basically, every time I am late, something goes horrifically wrong. So, like the the the, the moment. That sums it up best. I think you might have seen it in my stand-up show, but I'm going to put in a pair of trainers, <laughs> which will be hard. I've no longer got them because a man stole them <laughs> when I was at hot yoga. Yeah, and it's the most forgettable moment of my life. That's an extraordinary story. Yeah, basically, for those that don't know, I went to I do the normal gym now. But when I was first starting to get into shape, up, my wife took me to hot yoga because she's into it, and you have to. Mm stripped her into a pair of pants and just be in a hot room next to like, well, like pensioners fart on you or whatever it is. <laughs> it's disgusting. And then um, I come out of hot yoga and I'm all sweaty and gross. And uh, I went into the changing rooms to get dressed. And, I, and this is all, I promise you, and I've, I've, I promise you this is 100% true. Like almost <laughs> to the word. I walk into the, and the, uh, there's a man with my shoes on. So I went up to the guy. I went, excuse me, mate. Like, not like jokingly. Yeah. I think, I think you've got my shoes on. And you think he'd be like mortified or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Or like double take. He didn't even look down. He just went, no, these are my shoes. But he said it like, he said it so convincingly for like a few minutes. I genuinely thought to myself, well, I must have forgotten to bring shoes today. <laughs> it's possible a man has exactly the same shoes as me. Yeah, And it was also around the time, I, me and my wife didn't, we didn't live together at the time. So I was going back to her flat <laughs> and she'd left me on my own as well. And he went, he just. He let, oh yeah, went. he walks off. At this point he walks off. So, and also Amazing. I'm just in pants. So he's now walking <laughs> down the high street in like this posh part of North London. I'm in yeah. just pants, so I can't run after him. As we've discussed in the podcast already, I've got a Scottish accent. People are going to think, I don't know, they're filming Train Spotting Free or something. I don't know what they're going to think. Um, <laughs> the pant mugger. As the they pant call mugger, him. the famous pant mugger. Like that guy in Somerset that's no longer allowed to dress as a gimp. I'm going to yes. be. That, maybe that's what happened to him. <laughs> he went, Excuse me, mate, you're wearing my clothes. Man said, Well, your dress is a gimp. Yeah. Then these are mine. These and are off he mine. Went. See you later. Bosh. <laughs> And then um, I got my normal clothes on and I had to walk home with no shoes. And I didn't talk this in my stand-up, but have you ever walked on a pavement with no shoes? Yes. It's like a, what do you call it, a danger sport. <laughs> Especially in London. There's just like kebabs and needles everywhere. It's gross. Mm -hmm. You yeah. suddenly become aware of how much broken glass there is in the There's world. There's so much gross. Have you, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. It's, it's a funny observation. I don't know how many people relate to it. They would walk in back home with no shoes on. Maybe get ladies <laughs> after a night out if they've got their high mm -hmm. heels on. And yeah, basically, I get back to my, my then girlfriend's house, now wife, and having she'd left me for 45 minutes by myself, and I return home sort of with no shoes on. <laughs> lost them. <laughs> What am I letting myself into? <laughs> she may well have at that moment thought, this is a man I need to marry because he needs looking after. He needs looking after. That's what I mean about it. Whenever stuff goes wrong, that always makes me sort of like late and rushing and behind. Mm. So I'll chuck those shoes in for that moment to be in the bin. Or or yeah. if not, I can just put the whole, the whole idea of time can just disappear forever as far as I'm aware. Yeah. And we can just show up to things when we're ready 
and we've got our <laughs> shoes on and if we feel emotionally capable of doing it yeah damn the victorians damn them <laughs> insisting on everybody having a clock everywhere damn them to high hell i'll come along at dawn what's wrong with that as a concept what why don't we just have one big clock in the middle of the town that's all we need <laughs> Yes. I don't need it on my cooker. I don't need a clock on my cooker. I don't want one. <laughs> like those French villages where what I like about them is that the church bells in French villages ring five minutes before the time. I love that. Have you ever noticed that? That's like how my friends always tell me to meet up half an hour earlier than we're actually meeting up. It's, yeah. the, it's, the, it's the sort of French equivalent of that. It is. The first ring is, it's not this time, but it's going to be in a minute, so be prepared. That's a funny thing to say, isn't it? That's what you should say to your partner when you're getting ready. It's not <laughs> two o'clock, but it will be soon, so let's get on with this. <laughs> that is the thing that I say most when we're getting ready, yeah. That's, a great, little, that's a great little tip, that. <laughs> Oh, dear. Okay, well, yeah, I will put the whole concept of time in there, and that means that you can drift through life in your irresponsible way. <laughs> and think how long a football match is when there's no concept of time. This is perfect for me. <laughs> Nobody else knows about football matches. You've taken the whole thing and put it in there. Oh, it's yeah, just for yeah. me. Yeah, it's like uh, Yesterday, the film by Richard Curtis, where nobody knows what the Beatles are. Oh, yeah, far from that one guy. Yeah. The Ed Sheeran of his time. Yes. Well, Ian, it's really lovely to meet you and it's lovely to talk to you. Yeah. And good luck with the tour next year. I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much, uh, Michael. And send send Angus my love. Uh, he'll not know who I am, but do it anyway. I will. I will. I'm going to ring him now. And okay. Say, say, sorry, mate, really busy. That's normally what he does, so I'm going to quite enjoy doing that. Oh, nice. I love that you get to that. I'm sorry, I've just been talking to my celebrity friends. <laughs> You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Ian Sterling. What a delightful guest he was. I will definitely be trying to catch his show on tour in the spring, but as you may know if you listen to this podcast regularly, I'm going to play The Wizard in Wicked throughout 2024, so I only have Monday nights free. You can go along without me, though, if you want to go. To help this podcast keep going, especially through this next year, please do rate it. Highly is best, and maybe review it so others will have a listen. And if you subscribe, we will send you every new episode as they're released. Do join me and other listeners on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and threads so you can find out what's going on and what's coming up. Or you can join the exclusive gang of listeners who support this podcast with a small monthly contribution of £2.99 through Acast+. Plus. Details in the description of this episode. You'll get all episodes ad-free and a bonus episode every single week. My Time Capsule The Debrief. The My Time Capsule theme tune is on Spotify if you'd like to have a listen to it in full. This cast of production was released through Acast and was produced by John Fenton Stevens. And that's it, apart from my first joke of this new year. Of course, you may be listening to this in the middle of summer or 20 years after I made it. I mean, I may be dead, in which case I may have already stood at St Peter's Gate and said, ah, yeah, it seems I was wrong then. Still, you're quite big on forgiveness, aren't you, Peter? It might work. 
but I'll leave you with this classic Barry Cryer joke. Three nuns are standing at the gates of St. Peter waiting to get into heaven, and he says, Right, ladies, uh, we have to have a little quiz before you can go in. Now, Sister Gregorius, he says to the first nun, one with the names of the two people in the Garden of Eden. And Sister Gregorius says, Adam and Eve. Lights flash, a siren sounds, and in she goes. Next, he says, Sister Bernadette, what did Adam eat from the forbidden tree? And she replies, an apple. Lights flash, a siren sounds, and in she goes. Finally, St. Peter says, right, Sister Angelica, what was the first thing that Eve said to Adam? Now, Sister Angelica looks puzzled, and then she says, that's a hard one. Lights flash, a siren sounds. I don't think it'll be that easy for me. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 